Thanksgiving time of the year, and are you excited? Okay, let's just rewind and try that again. It's Thanksgiving time of the year, and are you excited? Yeah, hopefully you are. Um, I'm Barrett, one of the pastors here, and I start every message this way, so welcome. Um, if you're new, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, it's so good to, to be together today. We are getting close to Thanksgiving, and uh, as I talked about last week, Thanksgiving is that time of the year that, you know, a lot of us have traditions, and a lot of us have, you know, fun stuff going. Uh, it's the time of the year that you get to see crazy things like what happened last night with the Georgia-Auburn game. Anybody see that? No, no War Eagle. No. That was just the craziest thing I've ever seen. You know, fun football. We eat a lot. We hang out with family. Sometimes we like the family. Sometimes we try to get away from the family as quick as possible. Uh, some of us are wrapping up in school and in the semester. And, I, you know, I don't know what Thanksgiving is to you. Uh, perhaps you, you, you're going to dress up like a turkey and run around your neighborhood. Whatever it is that you do on Thanksgiving, if that's you, by the way, I, I strongly encourage you to not do that this year. Um, but what we've been talking about, we started last week, we're talking about today, and we'll continue talking about next week, is the opportunity in this season of Thanksgiving to do more than just eat food and watch football and hang out with, with folks that we like, although those are great things. But the opportunity that we have to really learn a deeper gratitude, a deeper thankfulness, a deeper appreciation in our heart for who God is and what he's done for us in Christ. I said last week that um, I really believe that most of us would say that we are thankful people. But when it comes down to it on a day-to-day basis, what I asked you last week is where is your heart? Are you really, are you really a thankful person? Are you really someone who overflows out of their heart? Your life, it just, it's, you live a grateful life. In your heart, you're in a place of deep gratitude and appreciation for God. Not just on Sundays, but daily and as a constant attitude of your heart. We looked at a passage in Thessalonians last week that says the Lord ask of us, be thankful always, give thanks in everything to God in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we started looking at how is it that we can cultivate that thankfulness in our life? How is it that we can cultivate that thankfulness in our life? And we were looking at Psalm 103, and just as a brief recap, what we said was that what we've got to do is basically instruct, urge our soul to be thankful for who the Lord is and what he has done for us in Christ. The reality is, if you begin to sit and to think about, which the Lord says you need to do, he's, bless the Lord, oh my soul. You're talking to yourself. Soul, soul. Everybody just do this with me so I don't feel so awkward standing up here talking to myself, okay? Just talk to yourself. Soul. Some of you did hand motions. That was good. All right, you could, okay, everybody, just come on. You can do the hand motions. Soul, bless the Lord. Soul, bless the Lord. Now, some of you guys are already getting weirded out talking to yourself. But that's what the Lord tells us to do is that we need to get our souls in line with this. We need to think about, we need to meditate on, we need to put our hearts focus on this, who God is and how much he has done for you in Christ Jesus. I'm telling you, 
you'd be headed straight for death, eternal death and eternal separation apart for God if it were not for what the Lord has offered to you in Christ Jesus. All of your sins would be paid by you, on you. The penalty is death if it were not for Jesus who came and absorbed that penalty for you. The shame and the condemnation that you rightfully deserve because of your own choice to walk away from God and to find satisfaction in other things beside him and to do the things that you know ought not to be done, that shame, that condemnation, that guilt would forever be yours if Christ had not come and took it all on himself, taking on the nails, taking on the piercings, taking on the ridicule, taking the crown of thorns and giving his final breath so that you would not have to die, but rather live forever in God. Amen? We need to take time, Scripture says. You want to know how to cultivate thanks? You want to know how to cultivate thanks? Don't look at your circumstances. Don't look at how you feel waking up in the morning. No, urge your soul to think about the Lord, who He is, and how He has done everything in Christ to give you what you most need, and that is God himself. That will make you a thankful person. Amen? That'll make you a thankful person. And I pray this past week that you've taken time to meditate on the Lord and what he's done. Now, what I know is, this, today's message, by the way, is called living thanks. Last week was cultivating thanks. This is living thanks. Next week will be overflowing thanks. Maybe I'm the only one that keeps up with those things. <laughs> But if you keep up with them, that's what it is. Now, the reason I call it living thanks is this. It's because what I believe we need to focus on today is how that works out practically in our life. How does that work out practically in our everyday life? Anybody ever uh, heard a leader or, or somebody maybe in your workplace or your school give a great vision, but it's just kind of like you, you, like, you hear the vision, and it's like, yeah, I want that. But then it's like, okay, like, how do we get from here to there? Anybody ever done that? Sometimes you hear great visions, but you need some practical help as to how to actually move into that. I mean, how do I actually, I want that, but how do I take those steps? And so I'm so thankful that the Lord not only gives us those big visions for our life, like you need to be a deeply thankful person at all times and in all things, despite circumstances, despite feelings. And I believe you want that, but the Lord also wants to come along and say, here's how you can begin to move into that. Aren't you glad for that? that the, the Bible is practical. It helps you in your everyday life. So this is going to be a very practical message today. We're going to be in Psalms again. So if you've got your Bible, go ahead and open up to Psalms. And we're going to be in uh, chapter 118. Psalm chapter 118. So how is it that we can walk practically in a life of thanksgiving. Here in the psalm, we're going to see just this. I want to give you the core truth this morning. We're going to read the psalm, and we're going to come back to the core truth. We're going to walk through a few points and uh, together. Let me give you the core truth before we start our scripture today. I'll read it to you, and then I'll have you uh, take some time to see if you can uh, recite it. We can be thankful to the Lord in any and every circumstance. How does this live out? Okay, here it is. In any and every circumstance, we can be thankful to the Lord. How do you do it? If we choose 
to set our mind and to set our heart on the presence, on the promises, and the provisions of God. We can be thankful in any and every circumstance if we choose to set our mind and set our hearts on the presence, on the promises, and on the provisions of God. Now, you might hear this and say, well, that's just as general as you were last week. But I promise you it's going to have legs in your everyday life, all right? This is real. We're going to see how it's real today. But I want you to turn to your neighbor real quick, see if you can work through this. Say it in your own words. Try to repeat the core truth with one another, and we'll come back and dive into the psalm. You can talk. It's fine. All right, let's say it together one more time. We can be thankful to the Lord in any and every circumstance if we choose to set our mind and heart on the presence, promises, and provision of God. Psalm 118, let's start in verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say his steadfast love, it endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say his steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord and the Lord answered me. And set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All the nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. And in the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They they went out like a fire among the thorns. But in the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling. But the Lord, he helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Clad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live 
and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I might enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords upon the horns of the altar. Oh, you are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, and I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. You can hear the thrust of the psalm there at the beginning and right at the end. We're called, what? To be thankful people. Give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. Oh, soul, give thanks to the Lord. Not just one of us, not just two of us, but all of us should be people who are deeply, deeply grateful for the Lord. You see that there in verses 1, 2, 3, and 4? He's encouraging them. Give thanks to the Lord. His steadfast love endures forever. Even when you feel like you don't have anything to think of, thank God for, thank God for this, that his love has not given up on you. That he still loves today. He still loves today and he will love tomorrow and he will love forever in the way that he has chosen to love, not because of you, but because of who he is and what he has done in Christ. Oh, you give thanks to the Lord. Again, cultivating, stirring up that pot of thankfulness in your heart. But then the psalmist goes on. And what I love about this psalm is that it's so deeply like, personal and so deeply uh, practical because it's not like he's sitting in, you know, he, he goes on and talks about all the stuff that's happened. And it's not like he's just sitting in the temple, you know, playing harpsichord all day and not living real life. You know, you, you, sometimes we think, well, gosh, if I was a, a monk and living in a monastery and I was totally removed from the wor- world and all I had to do was sing praise choruses all day and pray prayers, like I might be thankful too. You don't know the folks I work with. Amen? You don't know the family I got. You don't know the husband or the wife I'm married to. You don't know how difficult my kids are. You don't understand how much of a struggle I'm going through right now. You know, that's the Bible. They're thankful folks floating around in the clouds with angels, and I'll be like that one day, but forget it right now. Sometimes we can feel like that. But what I love about the Psalms 
and this song in particular, is that it's so deeply honest. I mean, if you just look at it, he's saying, be thankful, be thankful, be thankful, but what's he going through? Is he floating around on the clouds with harpsichord? No. What's happening? Look at verse 5. Let's, I mean, let's just walk through it together. Out of distress, people are coming against me, verse 7. People hate me. Verse 10. The nations are surrounding me. It feels at this moment like there's people on every side coming to get me, and I feel like I'm about to die. Is essentially what he's saying. Verse 13. I was pushed so hard that I was falling. I'm in a place in life where I feel like I've fallen on my face. That's how hard things are. Verse 17, I feel like I'm about to die. Verse 18, I'm sitting under the discipline of the Lord. I've sinned against him, and I'm suffering the sucky consequences of my sin. This absolutely stinks, and I know that I deserve it. The psalmist is brutally honest about where he is. And he's not in like the hunky-dory place that a lot of times we think we have to be in order to be a thankful person. Yeah, I'll be thankful when everything, when the Lord fixes all this stuff. No, that's not what the Lord calls you to do. It's not what he calls you to do. He calls you to be thankful right now in the circumstances and situations that you're in. Whatever the circumstances, in fact, whatever the situation, in fact, you're still called to be a thankful person. So how do we do this? Now, this is the nitty-gritty, right? You're saying to me, all right, Barrett, okay. Sounds like a challenge. You've got to convince me. How do we do this? Well, we do it the way the psalmist did it. We choose. We choose. And it is a choice. We choose in the middle of any and every circumstance that we face, and he faces a lot of them. And not just this, this one psalm is just a small depiction of all the circumstances that you and I face. I'm telling you, whatever you've been through, the Bible talks about people in that circumstance who have learned to give thanks to God. How do you do it? You choose in any and every circumstance to focus not on the circumstance, but on the presence of God, on the promises of God, and on the provision of God. Now, I've just pulled these out because these are general themes that I see as you work through the Psalms. And there are, of course, more things to be thankful for, but here's what I'm trying to get you to see today. If you'll memorize these things, I, I really do want you to memorize these three Ps, all right? Presence, promises, provisions. Because what I want you to do is to realize that if you can choose to set your mind on God's presence, to set your mind on God's promises, and to set your mind on God's provisions. If you will choose to set your mind on those, even if just one, God will create in you the thankful heart that he desires in whatever situation that you're going through. Let's look at it in the psalm real quick. I just want to show you, first of all, presence. 
How do we see in the psalm? That he's focusing on God's presence. Look at verse 6. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Listen, when others are against me, anybody ever had a situation where you feel like other people are against you? Come on. Okay. A few people. At least two of us can relate. Okay, three. Good. Let me see that hand. <laughs> All right. Just kidding. I'm not that guy. Um, yeah. It can feel sometimes that people can come against us. Now, if you're a jerk, people are against you. You deserve that. All right? So I'm not giving you permission to be a jerk and to constantly have people against you. You deserve that. <laughs> Don't be that guy. But if people come against you because of just who you are, who the Lord is in you, I, I found in my life sometimes just pursuing the Lord or standing up for the Lord and just walking uprightly can sometimes bring criticism from those who don't quite understand the Lord yet. But even in that situation, how is it that we are to be thankful? Well, what the psalmist calls to, my, calls to mind is this, that even when others are against me, God is with me. Even if everyone else, play this hypothetically out in your life, even if everyone else in your life turned against you, even those that were closest to you, even if everyone else turned against you, God forbid it, but even if they did, God says, I will never leave you. And I will never forsake you. I am with you now and I will be with you forever. You are mine, Jesus says. You are my sheep and no one snatches my sheep out of my hands. Though everyone could come against you or desert you and forsake you, I will never leave you. I will always be with you. My presence will always be your mainstay. So even in that, the psalmist says, even when those are against me, the Lord is with me. Who shall I fear? That's practicing. That's living, thankfully. Yeah, it stinks that people turned against you. But what you focus on is not that, but that the Lord will never turn against you. And that will make you a thankful person in that circumstance. Amen? Are you getting it? Look at it. Look what else he says. Verse 8 and 9. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. Yeah, it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. When needing hope, what is the psalmist focused on? Does he trust in other people when he's looking for the bedrock of his hope? When I'm in that place in life where I need so badly just to know that I can continue another day, Am I to look to other people? Am I to look to Michelle as the one, my all-satisfying one? Am I to look to my best friends? Am I to look to my coworkers to provide that strength and support, even to those who are in power who have the help that I need? No. Don't look there. Look to God. The Lord is our rock. The Lord is our helper. The Lord is our strength, the Bible says. And his presence is our hope. 
in those situations and circumstances when needing hope, to trust in the Lord is better. Knowing his presence is with you is better than having a thousand swords in your hand. Having a mighty army behind your back. The Lord is with me. He is my helper. Therefore, I will rejoice. I will give thanks because trusting him is the best. Knowing his presence is the best. You're tracking. Look what else. Even in victory. Verse 14. Even in the moments where it feels great, things are going awesome. He's still looking back to the Lord and saying, the Lord, the Lord is my strength. The Lord is my valiancy. His presence with me is better even than the greatest of victories that I see come through my life. Now, the question is, do you love the presence of God? If you're sitting here right now and you're thinking, I sure am ready for him to get to the next point because this is kind of dumb. I'm wondering to you, is your deepest love in God himself? Do you love the presence of God? If I told you today, you could go to heaven when you die. Have all the friends that you want there, all the safety that you want, perfect health, no more sin, no more sickness, all the physical pleasures that you've ever known. If I told you that everything would just be delight forever, but God would not be there. Is that somewhere you still want to go? For the Christian, the resounding answer is no way. No way. Because God is the one that I want. The throbbing heart of the scriptures is that I want to know God. As a deer pants for the streaming water, oh, I pant for God, the living God. 2 Corinthians 5, oh, for me, it is better to depart and be with the Lord. Do I love the presence of God, the person of God? Is he the one that I long for in the deepest part of my heart? Is he the best? Am I satisfied there? I'm telling you, this is where it starts. This is where it starts for us practically. How do we become thankful people practically in our everyday life? It's remembering, first of all, that in any circumstance that you face, that God has made a way through his son, Jesus Christ, an open door that you might once again have the one that you need and want the most, and that is God himself. You track it with me. 
first thing the psalmist says is, I will focus, I will set my heart upon this, that God is with me and he is everything that I want anyway. Secondly, not only God's presence, but God's promises. If you look at verse 7, the psalmist, again, pushed up against the wall. But what does he recount? He says, the Lord is on my side. He is my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. When near death, verse 17. Even in those moments where it feels like we could die, he remembers, I will not die, but I will live. Verse 18, even when it feels like you're so far from God and you're suffering under the discipline of his righteous and just hand, he remembers this, that the Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Psalm chapter 30 is another psalm that you guys will reference this week in your small groups, and hopefully you'll be involved there. But he talks about even though sorrow may last for a night, I know that joy comes in the morning. What is he doing? What's the psalmist doing? He's choosing in these circumstances. When it seems like all odds are against him, when it seems like things are falling apart, when it seems like death is at hand, when it seems like the discipline just could not get worse, he is choosing to believe the promises of God that are all yes and amen because of what Christ has accomplished for us in his perfect life and his substitutionary death and his triumphant resurrection from the grave. The hope for your life is not that you will ever be good enough. The hope for your life is not that you will someday attain to to God's acceptance. The hope for your life is is not that none of the stuff that sometimes we try to hope in, the hope for your life is that God is faithful and he has promised all good things to you in his son, Jesus Christ. And he will not forget not even a one of any of his promises because he is faithful, because he keeps his word. Therefore, I could be in a circumstance where it feels like, oh my word, my daughter just came down with cancer. What am I to do with this? I'll never forget walking with Slodgen, Malinkovic. Some of you guys know them. They were in our church for a season. As they were here for treatment at St. Jude with their daughter, Sarah, eaten up with a very, very serious cancer. And there's feeling sometimes in life that he, like he was going through. What am I to do with this? Am I to be thankful now? Slodgen's answer, one of the godliest men I feel like I've ever walked with through such season of suffering, he would say yes. He says, I'm so thankful that I know 
that even if the Lord chooses to take my daughter away, that he's given his son Jesus and I know where she's going. I'm so thankful that God is faithful and that he's promised that he will not give me more than I can handle. That he's promised his love for Sarah. I'm so thankful that God has promised to one day redeem this broken world. I'm so thankful. How can he be thankful? Are you kidding me? Your eight-year-old daughter's eating it with cancer? No, he's thankful. Not because of the way circumstances look, but because of the promises that he knows his God has made that are yes and amen because of the love and sacrifice of Jesus Christ on his behalf. He's thankful because his hope is not in himself, not in the doctors, not in the circumstances getting better. His hope is in the promises of a faithful God. And he chose to set his mind and heart there. In your circumstance, do you do that? Are you feasting on the promises of God or are you looking to the world to provide the answers and satisfaction that you need? You're not made for this world. You're made for God. Jesus says, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Faith is by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. You want to know how to cultivate thankfulness? Start looking at his promises that he's given to you in scripture. Some of us don't know how to be thankful for his promises because we don't know his promises. Get in his word and look at what he's promised and ask God, give me faith in what I hear because I know that what you say is true. That's how to be thankful. Feast on the Lord's presence. Hope in the Lord's promises. Third and finally, thank God for his provisions. Verse 5, the psalmist says, Out of distress I called on the Lord, but the Lord answered me, and the Lord set me free. Verse 10 to 13, in the middle of battle, he says, in the name of the Lord, I cut them off. Verse 19 through 23, a time of thanksgiving and a time of celebration and a time of praise, he goes in with a smile on his face into the congregation of worship and chooses to give thanks to the Lord. Verse 21, I thank you, Lord, that you have answered me, that you have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and this is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. On an ordinary day, he says, verse 24, this is the day that God has made. I woke up this morning, therefore I'll be glad. I'll be thankful. I'll rejoice in it. Verse 26 to 27, in need of mercy, He says, oh, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Verse 27, for the Lord is God. He has made his light to shine upon us, and therefore I will bind the festal sacrifice with cords, and I will go up to the horns of the altar, for you are my God, and I will, I will choose to give thanks to you. In these circumstances that he's going through, real life stuff, Stuff like you deal with and stuff like I deal with. 
He focuses not on what he does not have. He focuses on what he does have. He focuses not on what the Lord has not given, but he chooses to set his mind upon what the Lord has given and to name them one by one. Thank you, God, for this time in my life because you helped me. I was up against the wall and you delivered me. I was in need of mercy and you gave your mercy to me. He's focusing on the practical provisions of God. Let's go back to the example of Slogin. I remember Slogin saying, I mean, again, child, cancer, prognosis, not good. But him welling up with tears in his eyes and saying, I'm so thankful that I got that email that day and someone told me about St. Jude. He was so deeply overwhelmed that he had the opportunity to come to Memphis to get treatment. Over and over, you guys were here, some of you on the third, and saw his video, how deeply thankful he was that God gave him a church family in us while he was here. I watched a guy that was in deep pain and deep distress, but yet thankful. And it's because he was choosing to set his mind and his heart upon the provisions that God had given for him in that season. I'm telling you, God is providing for you right now. In your circumstance, if you will open your eyes, I promise you that you will see God is providing for you. Sometimes I think that we become blind to it because I think sometimes we we presume that we deserve the best always. We presume that when things are wrong in our life, when we face challenges or we face sufferings, we presume that we don't deserve this. I don't deserve this. A lot of times I think in my own heart, the struggle that I have to be grateful is that I start in a place where I have expectations that are higher than that that I truly deserve. And because my expectations are here, based on the own pride and feeling of self-sufficiency and self-merit that I have, not based on how God sees things, but based on what I think I deserve, when my expectations are here and I end up with circumstances that are here, I become bitter and say, why am I not here? It makes me bitter for what I'm going through and less thankful for what God has provided in the middle of that circumstance. What I need to realize is that I don't deserve anything. Well, I do deserve something. And that something is eternity apart from God. That something is life apart from God. That something is no relationship with God in the middle of my suffering. That's what I deserve. I deserve to go through hell in a handbasket and not have God on my side. And I thank God 
that he hasn't given me or you what we deserve. Even if all he gave was just himself, it would be enough and more than what we deserve. Amen? That provision alone should be enough to cause thanks. When we have a right view of ourselves and a right view of God and his wonderful grace, we begin to realize how much he has provided. But I'm telling you, he hasn't just given you his presence. He's given you much more. And if you begin to look in your life right now and begin to take time to see and list and name the things in your present circumstance that God has provided, I promise you, you'll see them and God will work in you a heart of faith, a heart of thankfulness. And if nothing else, what the psalmist says here is that he's thankful that the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. In the New Testament, this verse is used extensively to talk about Jesus. Because Jesus is that stone that the so-called wise builders of this world cast aside, pushed out, thinking that he was not the one to lay the foundation for the structure that needed to be built. They cast aside that stone, thinking that it was not fit for use. That's what happened to Jesus. When the Jewish leaders cast him aside, pushed him out of town, and nailed him upon the cross, hoping to put to death something that was of no use. But the stone the builders rejected, God has made the cornerstone. And what they never knew was that as they crucified Jesus Christ, thinking they were putting him away, God was crucifying our sins to his body. God was reconciling the world to him. God was taking every sin of yours and mine and paying for it in full in Christ. God was taking the wrath that you and I deserve, the hell that we have warranted because of our own sin. The stone the builders rejected became the cornerstone such that now through his death and burial and triumphant resurrection from the grave, he has become the chief cornerstone upon which the whole foundation of salvation and life with God has been built such that at his name, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. So that at his name, you can come and believe and receive eternal life. Jesus, the cornerstone rejected that God has made the foundation of everything for us. If there's nothing else to be thankful for, we should be thankful always for the provision of Christ. Amen? So, in your circumstances, as you walk through life, I want you to remember these three P's. I mean, I really do. You're my friends. You're my family. You're my church. I'm trying to help you here. Psalmist is trying to give you some insight here. When you wake up tomorrow and you pray, Lord, help me to be thankful, I want you to think through. Help me, God, be thankful for your presence today. Help me, God, to hope in your promises today. 
Help me, God, to be mindful of your provisions today. Take time. Choose to set your heart upon these things. And in doing so, you will find that your heart will be deeply satisfied in Jesus such that it would overflow into a life of genuine thankfulness for God, for all that he's done for us. Let me pray for you. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the goodness, God, of your word and this time that we have together. Lord, um, we desire to be thankful people. I believe, Lord, that is the heart of every person here, Lord, that we want to be thankful people. We know we're called to be, but God, we in the middle of life, and sometimes it's just hard. Sometimes we go through things that are just so tough. Sometimes we feel like crying. and Sometimes we feel like running away. Sometimes we feel like screaming and we feel more bitter than we do thankful. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us, Lord, because, Lord, I know my own heart and I know, God, that my heart is not where it needs to be always. Lord, we thank you for the practical help and encouragement of the Psalms. And God, especially for this reminder today, Lord, that we can intentionally choose to set our mind and our heart upon your presence and to set our mind and heart upon your promises and upon your provisions for us. God, I pray that we would learn to be satisfied in you, Lord. Not in what you give, but in who you are, that your presence would truly be our greatest desire. God, I pray that we would spend time in your word to know the things that you have promised so that we don't feel helpless, but that we are confident and full of faith in your faithfulness and your grace and in your commitment to us. God, I pray that we would take time to make a list of the ways that you've provided for us again and again, to remember those things and to thank you for them in specific and personal ways. Satisfy us, God, in you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you'll stand, we'll sing together as we close. If you need to make any decisions today, whether it's to give your life to Christ, to receive forgiveness and salvation that he has promised in his life, death, and resurrection, whether it's to join this church or be baptized, or if you just need prayer, I'm here. But respond to God. Give him your heart now.